I've won three national championships in my career, right? As a college football coach, all three of them, we suffered a loss during the year and all three losses I would attribute to one of the main reasons why we won it all. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. And we're back, College Football Sprint. Uh, these these weeks are always not the most fun after a loss and after our fans kind of turn into like <laughs> Darth Vader on us. <laughs> but um, there is what I what I the season is a marathon, not a sprint, um, and We've got a lot of a lot going on with the program in terms of changes, in terms of new coaches doing new things, new players starting. There's a lot that can go from season to season. Obviously, this is not to make any excuses for what what we saw on Saturday, but you know, let's let's talk about it, man. It was a very depressing. Um, well, I, I, let me interject just before, before we get into it too deep, I yeah. want to just, I, I just want to point something out. I've won three national championships in my career, right? As yeah. a college football coach, all three of them, we suffered a loss during the year and all three losses I would attribute to one of the main reasons why we won it all. And I, and I'm not saying that is even in the discussion this year. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But 2014 for Buckeye fans is, I mean, this you talk about eerily similar. Granted, the defense was probably a little better week two in 2014, but redshirt freshman quarterback, week two, out of conference opponent, like so many similarities. And then you go to, you know, when we were at Florida with Tebow and lost a, to lost a regular season game and he made the promise. Like every year there has been some adverse loss that kind of catapulted the team and the changes and the focus and all of that to, to greatness. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but, but it's not, I guess it's not time to absolutely lose our shit, right? (laughs) No, not at all. And I think you, you bring up some very good points, especially when you're talking about college football, when the talent disparity is this high and you have kids who are coming in, who probably haven't gotten used to or seen a loss since their peewee days, right? Oh, yeah. For the, for the most part, you're dealing with guys coming from teams who are just running running the gambit all the way to the state playoffs or state championship game. They're not used to losing too much. Right. Um, and and I think you, you put it there. You can teach so much more, and this is so many quotes about this. You learn so much more through your failures than you do your successes so much more. And And sometimes, and sometimes a football team needs it. Yeah. Because you look at the team that was last year, right? I mean, went on a magical run, lost to Alabama and they kind of felt like, all right, we learned from that. We're good to go. We're good. Like we're going to win every game, regular season. That's just what we do. And then we're going to make the playoffs and then we got to win one. We got to, we got to win two games and we'll be national champs, right? That's, that is what those kids think. I don't care what anybody tells you. That's what they thought going into this year. Yeah. And facing this adversity will bring them back down to reality. And who knows what could happen, right? You, you're going to see a different team roll on the field the next, you know, next this week and, and moving forward. You really are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and let's kind of, let's dig into this, not through the lens of just how bad everything was, how bad certain things were, <laughs> but right. I do think that there is something to be said, and I know you have relationships with coaches, um, and you're outspoken in terms of the type of accountability you held yourself to as a coach and the type of accountability coaches need to be held to, specifically in college football, right? It's not the fans' job. It's not the players' job. The people who are getting paid the big bucks are the coaches. So it's fair to be critical when certain things aren't being done well without it being personal. Right. Um, 
And I think there's some fair criticism here, um, mainly in two areas. One is we could not stop an Oregon team from running the same play over and over again to the tune of 261 yards against Ohio State's, I don't care how young, how inexperienced they are, five-star defensive line, five-star and four-star linebackers, five-star and four-star safeties. And the reason that it stands out is just the week before, against a middle-tier school, Oregon could only muster 71 yards rushing. There's no doubt. And I mean, you, you really look at it like, here's where I ask myself, right? Like, what, what is our standard at Ohio State? Yeah. That's where you start, right? Like, what is the standard? What are, what is, what are, where, where are our expectations? Yeah. And our expectations at this point are we have been second tier to Alabama, maybe Clemson. I mean, not after last year, but just in, you know, last three years. Maybe that is what we were, and so the aspiration and expectation obviously increases, so now it is to be on par with Alabama. And so if that is the expectation, I ask myself, and what I think the coaches should ask themselves is, would this have happened to Alabama? And I think think we all know the answer, right? Yep. The answer is no. Yep. And Alabama has dealt with, a slew of people leaving Ryan day even said in his press conference, like there's no excuse. There's no like, Oh, we lost a lot of guys. This is Ohio state. We're going to lose a a, a boatload of guys every year because we have great players. We're going to, we're going to be reloading every year. It's never going to change. Right. Unless you're bad one year and everybody comes back and then you're like, okay, we can build on experience. It's never going to happen in a program the way you want it to be. And so that's, that's not an excuse to give it. And like you said, come on, San Jose held him to 71 yards. This, this was not a player or personnel issue. This was yeah. a coaching issue, period. Yep. And, and, and let's dig into this a little bit more, right? And you and I talk about this a lot. The difference between Saban and everybody else is his ability and his, his team and coordinator's ability to adjust very quickly in game. Yeah. When something isn't working, they adjust. And there's no pride and there's no stubborn, hey, we're going to keep doing this because we're just going to out-talent you. If something's not working, we're going to change it on the fly. Why is that such a difficult thing? Because you're talking about at the college football level, most coordinators are making a, a half a million to a million dollars a year. Yet, this is something that's very difficult. Why is it so difficult to do? Um, and, and, and why was it difficult this weekend for Ohio State? Well, here, here's the deal. Here, here's what I think is the least talked about thing in sports media right now. And that is what is the model of the program, right? Like what is Ohio State's model? What is Nick Saban's model? Yep. And, and there's multiple ways for a model to work, right? Ohio yep. State's model is Ryan Day is is brilliant as an offensive mind and an offensive coach. And so he's building his model around him being like portraying and, and displaying that brilliance on offense, right? With quarterback development, with play calls, with scheme, all that stuff. And also all what, all while being the CEO of the entire program, right? Yeah. He said it in his press conference today, and I think it was telling, and everyone blew right by it. Just they totally missed the point. Yeah. In order for this model to work, Mickey Marotti has to own the strength and conditioning. Mark Pantone yeah. has to own the recruiting. Yep. Kerry Combs has to own the defense. If yep. he doesn't, Ryan Day is taken away from the offense, then the offense is suffers right and then ryan day's not going to fix the defense like why why did it work so well two years ago because jeff halfley owned the defense right yeah ryan day owned the offense and things went really well they lost the game at the end i'm not here you know whatever we could talk about targeting we could revisit all that but nick saban's model works so well because guess what he doesn't own shit (laughs) he just runs it right he brings in an offensive coordinator that 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 is a head coach basically 
and yep. they run the offense. He brings in a defensive coordinator that is the head coach. They run the defense. Yep. He makes such great hires, demands such a high level of execution, demands excellence, and he just is a CEO. And Ryan, he's not wrong for this, but he doesn't want to bring someone in to run the offense because nobody will do it better than him. Yep. And so he needs someone on defense that he will never have to worry about. He needs a counterpart like himself on defense. He doesn't have that right now. And yeah. that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, and it's a, it is a challenging situation for Kerry, right? Because sure. he has always been a position coach. He was a phenomenal, before he left, he was a phenomenal special teams coach, a phenomenal cornerback coach. You know what I mean? Now he's being put in a position to run the defense. And the question is, if you are going to put someone who isn't, this is the CEO hat, right? Right. How are you going to put him in position to succeed? And you have to do that when somebody hasn't done something before. You got to surround him with experienced people um, who he trusts yeah, and who can, help, yeah. who can help him get there. It's and, all it's all building a staff, right? It's it's yeah. no different than business. I've been saying that for 15 years, yeah. you know, and and I didn't know that until I got on this side of the world. But it literally is: what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? You need to surround yourself with people that have strengths where your weaknesses are. What is Kerry Combs? He's yep. a, I mean, a one a person. You'll never find a better person. Yep, excellent as far as organization, routine, energy, just family man, just character, Amazing recruiter, all of it, all yes. of it, right? He is all of that. What is he not? He's not a great scheme guy, not yeah. a great fundamental coach. I mean, he's good. He's not great. So like you need someone to be your counterpart, right? Yeah. Like in 2014, he wasn't the best corner fundamental coach in the country, but he had the energy and he got kids to buy in. So Chris Ash was there to provide the fundamental side of it, right? And Urban is the worst offensive coordinator that ever I mean he's never been one but yeah. he could never he could never be an offensive coordinator but he found Tom Herman to be his yin to yang right yep. you, you need to have the right chemistry and the right pieces that fill those voids and they don't have it on defense right now it's not we can blame Kerry but Kerry is what Kerry is yeah. they need to have the pieces that supplement Kerry to make it work yep and they don't have it right now and the second part of this is I feel like our defense since Luke left has not been the same. If you look at what's, what's happened with Cincinnati's program, their defense is solid. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, well, what there, is there's what an you, under, so, so think about this now. Yep. Ever since Luke left, the defense has been inconsistent. inconsistent. That, that's the best way you could put yep. it. Right. Yeah. inconsistent. And you look at Cincinnati, they've been phenomenal on defense. You also look at even further down the rabbit hole, Marcus Freeman, right? Yep. Was his defensive coordinator guru. Yep. I mean, they went to Cincinnati. The defense became absolutely ridiculous, became a guru, hottest name in coaching. Yep. Goes to Notre Dame. The defense is terrible at Notre Dame. I'm not yep. knocking Marcus Freeman, but there yep. is one factor here that has been a part of all of this, that his defense never really sucks. And it's yeah. little. Yeah, he just knows because probably because he played, he understood understands the culture of like when you said, what is Ohio State's profile? There's a historical profile, Silver Bullets defense. We were a team that made our chops running the ball <laughs> and playing great defense. Right, right. That was the old school football, right? Yeah, and, and, and that also brings us to the next part of this. No one is questioning Ryan Day's genius as an offensive coordinator, but he is a quarterback at heart. And I feel like when your defense is struggling, an adjustment that typically needs to be made is your offense slows the game down a little bit just to stem, slow things down, give the defense a chance to catch its breath, C.J. Stroud played amazing. Our receivers are amazing. But Travion Henderson, every time he got the ball, was doing something with it. Mm -hmm. Maya Williams, we have two really, really good, hard-running backs. Why didn't we slow the game down? Is that, just a, is that just something with offensive coordinators and offensive minds 
when they're really good at something and it works well and consistently works well, is that a tough adjustment to make to say, hey, I don't want to take the ball out of Garrett Wilson's hands or Chris Olave's hands as much as the next guy, but our defense is struggling right now and we're running the ball really, really well. Let's just pound the ball down the field for two or three drives, eat up clock and and break Oregon's will. And it seems like that is the element for Ryan Day in terms of the last step he needs to take is to make that adjustment. That's, again, a Saban thing, right? Saban doesn't – Devontae Smith, who all the receivers that have gone on, gone there that are making names on Sunday, if it comes down to it, he'll run the ball and eliminate them from the game plan. Yeah, it's it's about scoring points. That's yeah. that's the name of college football and has been for the last five years. And and Oregon did some things on defense that they weren't shocking. I don't know why they were shocking to Ohio State, but Ohio State had trouble IDing the run game. They didn't run yeah. the ball well in the first half, and it, it really comes down to like, all right, well, like, do do you rob Peter to pay Paul? Right? Like, yeah, yeah, we could slow it down. Then we're going to stall out on offense a couple times. Then the defense keeps playing like they're playing, and then we're down four scores, and this game is over. Or yep. do you just you you just do what you do on offense, score points, and the defense better figure this shit out. Yeah, and and I think that's the reality of college football today. Is like, listen, it's hard enough to score points. Like, yeah, if we can run the ball and control the game, absolutely, yep. you do that. But ultimately, you need to move the chains. The longer you stay on the field, whether it's throwing the ball, tempo doesn't matter. That's better for the defense. And you know what? The defense had two drives start on the one yard line. Like, what yep. more do you want from an offense? Yep. And don't get me wrong. I think they could have run the ball better. But this this literally, this game was entirely about four drops on offense, maybe three missed throws by C.J. Stroud that are going to be touted as, like, he didn't play that great. <laughs> this guy's his second start, and he's he's killing it. And threw the ball, like, 52 times. Like, yeah. what are we talking about? Yeah, he yeah. had four bad throws. No shit. Yeah. He's a redshirt freshman and yeah. 50, 52 times against a good team. Yeah. But, it all comes down to the defense and the defense's inability to adjust and, and make corrections and, and stop Oregon is what it was. I mean, it was, it was yeah. a bad day for the yep. defense. But one thing I, I, I do want to say is that when you play up-tempo on offense, I feel like you see it throughout programs, right? You're going to, the other team is going to eventually score some points just because yeah. if you're scoring in a minute, two minutes, your defense by the end of the game has been on the field so long that guys are going to get tired. And I think in this scenario, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, when they play even a team like Oregon, right? They're, I don't know, maybe the Pac-12 is having a, 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 a resurgence this year, right, that we don't know about. But we looked like the Pac-12 team that just could score a bunch of points but couldn't play defense or a Big 12 team they could score a bunch of points, but couldn't doesn't even care enough about defense to to care what's happening on that side of the ball, right? That's kind of how we look this weekend. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't Ohio State football as we know it or expect it. Um, and I think that Oregon has is the one team in the Pac-12 that that really can hang with people a little bit. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to go beat Alabama. I don't know that they'll ever reach that stature, but Ohio State's down. Ohio State's specifically down on defense, which parlays really well for Oregon because they're going to yeah. score points. And then all they have to do is find a way to stop Ohio State, what, two times? I think yeah. we punted. I mean, I don't We punted like three times or something. I mean, it's just they, all, they don't have to dominate Ohio State's offense. They just have to just stop them a couple times. And if they can score points on a on a struggling defense, it's going to be a close yeah. game. And that's what it was. I mean, C.J. Stroud also had the – we Ohio State had the ball to win the game twice and couldn't yeah, do it. And couldn't do it. Yeah. And and that's the NFL. I mean, you're talking about the highest level of college football. It's close to the NFL. You want you yeah. look at that Ravens uh Raiders game last night. I mean, it or two yeah. nights ago now that when the show comes out. It's like that's 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 high level football. Yeah. The team gets the ball at the end of the game and you have to go win the game. And yep. if you don't, you lose. And that's what yep. happened. Yep. Yep. And and I do think that, you know. Just to mention that I think Derek Carr gets a lot of criticism mm -hmm. that he doesn't deserve at times because he's a pretty good quarterback. 
He you really know? is. He really is. And he, he, he also deals with Gruden. So yeah. you, just, you can notch him up one level just for dealing with yeah. Gruden. He's, he's, yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing specifically, the Twitterverse, everybody kept talking about this. Why couldn't Ohio State set the edge on defense? What makes that difficult from an X's and O's standpoint? Um, and how difficult of an adjustment is that if it's not working? Well, I mean, that was high school. I mean, I don't, not even high school. I mean, I, I'm coaching a sixth grade team right now. And yeah. We talk about it. So, I mean, you can't play press man on a cut split receiver. I don't know what. I don't know what the problem was. I mean, I've I've known that since yep. I was 21 years old. I mean, you you want to play press man? I'm all about it. I love press man. Yep. I think it's the best defense in the world. And I think mm -hmm. Ohio State has the guys to do it, especially against Oregon. They had better yep. talent than Oregon. They they could have played press man the whole game and won if they'd have had the the proper you know rules associated. Yeah. But when that single side receiver to the boundary cuts a split way down and you're on paper a press corner, you have to balk back off and play off man because two things can happen. One, he can run a drag route and you can get picked by all kinds of linebackers. And yep. two, he can crack the linebacker and you go to cover him and all of a sudden he two for ones you and there's no one on the edge. And that's what happened four times. Yep. Three for touchdowns, one for a critical first down. And we never backed off. And I don't that that is where the coaching comes in. That's where an adjustment after the first one should have been like, hey, cut split, we play off. You make a cut cut call. I mean, whatever your call is, it's just it, is that, that ego? That, is that ego stubbornness? No, that's lack it, that, of awareness. I think that's I honestly don't know what it is. I've never heard of that. I've never heard mm -hmm. of a collection <laughs> of coaches not being able to see that shit. I mean, yeah. we could blame Carrie. Carrie's on the field. Who's up in a box? And then yeah. were they arguing? Did they disagree that that was not what they should do? If they do, they all need fired right now. Yeah. I mean, bring in like let the interns coach. You'll do a, you'll yeah. do a better job. I don't know yeah. what else to say. I mean, that is the most trivial shit. I mean, basic elementary defensive football. I don't know what the problem was. I don't know if they didn't see it, didn't know what happened. I have no idea, but I'm that's that's the one thing that happened that shocks me. Yep. Yep. So where do we go from here? How do we how do we fix this one? And how challenging of a season is this going to be? Because if we can't stop the run against a Pac-12 team, how are we going to do it in the Big Ten? Well, they got to do. They got to. They got to make some things happen real quick because I know everyone thinks there's four. There's four cupcakes, and then they got to get back into real opponents. But Maryland's coming to town in four weeks, and that ain't no cupcake. Mike yeah. Loxley is not no cupcake offensive mind. Um, that's going to be a dogfight if we play defense the way we've been playing. And honestly, yeah. I think Maryland Maryland will win. So we got a lot to figure out. Probably first and foremost is who's playing safety. Josh Proctor's out for the year. I mean, it, that was already a position of concern, and he was yeah. the one player that everyone looked to and said this kid is a great player we're good yeah. with him who's going to be the other one right now yeah. we now he's gone so yeah. there's so many things to figure out that why aren't the linebackers triggering and filling gaps and stopping runs for three yards instead of nine yards like yep. so many things to figure out and it it honestly it's a cultural issue on defense it could be staff alignment it could be just operation and I know Ryan is on a kick right now to figure it out and fix it immediately. And I don't know if that means demoting people, firing people, reallocating people, whatever it means. I mean, obviously he's going to make that decision this week, but I mean, he has, they have two weeks to figure it out because these next yeah. two weeks are definitely cupcakes. And then after that, I mean, they got to play some, some teams that, I mean, they're not going to lay over and die. And yeah. I feel like we're used to that at Ohio state, but don't, don't think Maryland's going to lay over and die and just let us figure it out while just not, attacking us yeah yeah and how does this potentially an embarrassment like this right impact recruiting on the defensive side of the of the football does this do 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 kids who are four or five star prospects that ohio state gets with ease typically at the corner linebacker level does this do do seeing something like this does it impact them absolutely I mean, Ohio State's been getting those kids because of production and because of those kids getting drafted high and getting developed. And what you're watching right now is the opposite of that. And that, I mean, that's yeah. going to ripple through recruiting because why? Why Why would Jeff Okuda come here right now if he's a senior in high school? He's yeah. watching. I take that back. That's not fair because Cameron Brown and Denzel Burke played absolutely phenomenal. I mean, lockdown, yeah. the corners are the one position that I thought on defense played exceptional. And, yeah. you know, it's like everything else. D-end. Well, what D-end doesn't want to play for Larry Johnson? Yeah. But what honestly, what linebacker wants to come here right now? Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not their fault that they couldn't they couldn't help out because they were they were passed to play press man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, it's like I think it's it's 
it's going to ripple down in recruiting and it all comes down to development. And can you get me to the next level? Can you make my dreams come true? Right. Yeah. And that's been Ohio state's mantra forever is we, we are the dream makers, right? Yep. We can, we can get you where you want to get in a family atmosphere. You'll love it. You'll love Columbus. You'll love Buckeye nation and things will be great. And yep. now you're looking at it like, well, when was the last time they developed a linebacker at Ohio state? Who was it? Raekwon McMillan. Yeah. Yep. I mean, honestly, who was the last that's, one? I think that's the last one. I think that's the last one. I mean, Warner was decent. Um, yeah. I mean, he was decent. Not to a recruit, but yeah, he yeah. was good. Yeah, he was good. But we have not had, and again, uh, Ohio State fans, I think, were very disrespectful to Luke when he was here at many different times. Yep. And I'm hoping that they appreciate him now, you know, at least appreciate the fact that we need to find people who take the development aspect. Okay, fine. Get your ass kicked as a freshman. Okay. But what are we going to do in week two to make sure you don't make the same mistakes you made in week one? And we talked about it after week one. It was like, Minnesota is a pretty good run team, but why aren't we tackling? Why are why <laughs> that, that is, that is technique. That is development. And we've got to answer those questions. You know, uh, somebody's got to answer them or, or yeah. there needs to be changes made. That's just, that's the nature of the beast, right? You get paid 500, 600, 700, 800, a million. You get paid that kind of money. It's not that hard. Do your job. Yeah. And if you don't, you're out. That's why you get paid so much because you're not yeah. going to struggle financially. Lo you lose your job. Sorry. I mean, it's yeah. a high stakes, high reward. It's yeah. what it is. Yep. Yep. And look, kind of looking forward to the rest of the season. As you said, we can take a loss. Ohio State runs the table. We guaranteed a spot. Oh, I don't know. It depends on the fashion they do it and what happens in the country. I mean, you lose yeah. a game, you you put your fate in another man's hand. Um, yeah. it, so it, we'll see. I mean, probably it'd be tough to think a one-loss Ohio State team if they handle business the rest of the way doesn't get in, but you never know. I mean, well, we know Big Twelve team is on. I mean, Oklahoma could get in, but the the, the concern this season seems to be potentially a resurgence of the Pac-12 as a conference that if if these teams both have quality non-conference wins, uh, UCLA and, and Oregon, if they handle business in conference and one of them ends up undefeated, they're oh, going to get a spot. For sure. Then, as they should. As yeah, they should. Oklahoma, if they went out, they'll get a spot. We know Alabama's guaranteed a spot. <laughs> Even if they take a loss, the, the committee's right. going to put them in. Or spot comes down to either the Big Ten champ or a second SEC team like a Georgia or someone like that. So we've got to figure this thing out. It's not going to be, but all you can do is control your, control what you can control is just keep winning games. No doubt. I think they got, they got to focus on fixing the shit and don't worry about the playoff. Just you, you got to get, we, Ohio state need to get, needs to get themselves right. And if yeah. they do and they, they get, turn it around and, and they win out and then you can talk about it. But right now, boy, they're going to lose three, three, four games. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they'll lose three games the way they're playing right now if they don't get it fixed. So if they don't want to do that, I mean, certainly you don't need to talk about a playoff if you're on the verge of losing three. They might lose to Michigan. And boy, yeah. you want to talk about head, pets' heads falling off. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. pets' heads would fall off if that happened. Yeah, and I feel like the team also needs to understand that there are guys on this team who came back for a very specific reason. Haskell Garrett, and Chris Olave could be in the NFL on Sundays making real money right now. Mm -hmm. They came back. What are you guys going to do, the rest of the team, to reward these guys coming back and, and coming back for a very specific reason? There's a lot here. It's not just about X's and O. It's about pride. It's about heart. It's about we are Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Those things matter, too. And who is on the defensive side of the ball is going to step up and become the leader, the real leader of that defense. And that's the issue. That's the issue is they need a leader and they don't have one. And I think their best candidate to be one, I don't know about personality wise, but play wise just broke his leg. So yeah. they, they got a lot to figure out. And honestly, Haskell, which is, I think maybe impossible to do is lead as a D tackle, but yeah, personality wise, he's, I think he's got to grab the defense by the throat and own it and run it. He yep. really does. Yep. 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 Certain things aren't acceptable, right? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. 
um we'll get it right and i think at the end of the day it's like fans one thing i do want to say to ohio state fans is just remember that these are 18 to 22 year old kids um and even when you're criticizing the coaches keep it classy you can criticize the x's and o's without attacking people personally and i just i love our fans and there's it, it just feels like there's a growing number maybe it's the social media just a growing number of people who anytime something bad happens it's like why are you a fan why do you like this team why if 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 when something bad happens you're just gonna you're just gonna like jump on everyone and crush them like you can be a harsh critic without kind of going to yeah. the level and stooping to the level a lot of a lot of these fans have no doubt and, and i'm gonna be honest and i would challenge any buckeye fan to listen to my latest episode of my podcast not because i'm trying to shamelessly plug it but i think i did a great job of being extremely critical calling out how people did individually by name yep. but also being realistic right part yep. of the problem is be realistic like should we fire carrie combs no we shouldn't fire carrie combs i mean maybe after the year but no that's like shut up like relax yeah. like no they need to fix issues and if they do you know what it might be a great story there was a time like you said where luke fickle needed to be fired immediately yeah and guess what no he didn't no he yep. didn't they needed to fix some shit. and guess what yeah they did there was a time where Ed Warner needed to be fired. And guess what? When it came time to fix some shit, what did he do? He didn't fix it. So what happened? He got fired. Like, yep. it's not time to fire Kerry Combs yet. It might yep. be at one point, but he's got to fix this. And yep. they got to fix it. And there's got to be honest conversation. And if they do, Kerry Combs will be a great D coordinator at Ohio State. That's what will happen. Yep. But if, if they don't, he'll be fired. That's just yep. the nature of the business, right? Yeah, you can't love the guy. And then when he, when he has a bad game, just completely turn 180 on him it's like that's not the guy that you come for regardless because he is going to whether or not he figures it out one thing about carry is he's going to take accountability and he's going to own his shit yeah and that's all you can ask for if he can fix it hopefully he does if he can't then he's going to understand that he's either going to lose his job or have to get demoted right and he's going to accept it so it, just 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 fo just focus on that and and if we don't win a national championship we don't make a college football playoff we have a lot to learn this year that we can hopefully get better and get right next year it's just it. the reality it's this is a marathon not a sprint when you're building a program it is and with that i think you know we kind of covered 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 everything here man and i think um let's let's stay grounded and, and hope for the best and and, and really put our energy into helping this team get better versus continuing to harp on what happened last weekend that's it that's it well great having you again man it's, always it's, it's starting to get a little chillier out there in uh in columbus and houston we avoided a hurricane so that's <laughs> so why i was able to join you today um, <laughs> so life is good so far yeah and, and and partha refuses to uh speak about ohio state he's still emotionally emotionally <laughs> wounded by it um but you know in california too long yeah <laughs> yeah 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 but let's 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 see how this weekend goes and let's catch up catch up again next week man i appreciate it man thanks for having me All on right, man take care show the pilot boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com you're listening to the pilot boys podcast hey this is partha not only am i a pilot boy but i'm also the ceo of lasso i started lasso to help people improve their movement on a daily basis we design and create compression apparel that enables you to move confidently recover safely and ultimately be the best version of yourself we use a patented compression technology that activates key ligaments and tendons to help you improve your proprioception, coordination, and balance on a daily basis. Lasso socks were recently ranked number one by Men's Health because of how much they improve how your body works and the overall comfort, softness, and feel of the product. We're very proud of the Lasso socks, so check them out on our website at lassogear.com or at lassogear. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. 
Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. On to some news and notes. V-Man, I'm able to talk about this, that Ohio State outcome is something I refuse to put words to, but uh, happy to dive into something deep with you today. Definitely, definitely. We missed you on the segment, man, but uh, I think I think you you didn't miss us on the segment talking, <laughs> talking bad about Ohio State. <laughs> I'm that guy that after a loss, I'm just like, huh, what loss? What yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> what is football even right like we don't use our feet why do we care so much about it as a sport you know yeah, yep 100 percent, 100 percent. so as we kind of transition we've been doing a lot of deep dives um over the past year we're in episode 99 um and i think you know you and i often talk about people um who we respect um that are able to dissect society and identify the problem very, very accurately and succinctly. And I think comedians, the great comedians, are the greatest social observers that we have in America, right? Um, that's been historic from, if, from Rodney Dangerfield, George Carlin, you know, these guys, uh, Chris Rock, um, they all recognize and dissect society and are able to take it and make it humorous but they're still making very very important cultural points and one comedian who is pretty much your favorite comedian's favorite comedian um ohio's very own dave Chappelle. uh i ran across something i heard it in his stand-up but somebody turned it into a quote and you and I talk about subject matter around this in our deep dives and our news and notes often. So we decided let's, let's take this observation and deep dive into it. Um, and I think the best way to give context to it is by actually reading the quote. Um, Dave Chappelle said, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. Mm. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe, say, or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. Um, this was very, very deep to me because I think it identifies a struggle um, for me that I have communicating with people. Is It's like I have a great degree of compassion for people generally, but I don't. it doesn't mean that I have to agree with you or look at the world the exact same way as you to be compassionate. And the second thing is that it's okay to have convictions. It's okay to have principles that you live your life by so long as you are not pushing that on other people. And I think one of the greatest problems that we have in America, we talked about it a little bit last week with this pro-choice, pro-life nonsense that, this is what we do in our society. We, sh we, 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 we shame people. We uh, double down on our positions, red states, blue states. We are divided along a bunch of principles that I don't think you can have groupthink around being one way or the other. Like human beings have intellect. They have the ability to develop opinions and everyone's opinion is not going to be the same yet in society. I feel like there's so much pressure on programming to fit into a box of principles and views and basically shame anyone who doesn't hold those views. You see this in religion, you see this in with race, you see this with socioeconomics and those two, if you come from a high socioeconomic status and low socioeconomic status, you have two completely different perspectives and you tend to conflict with each other, you know? Um, and then obviously the second part of it is that we all have issues within our families, within our relationships, within everything. There's this, this ideal of perfection of if you love someone and you care about someone, you have to view the world exactly the same way that they do. 
um, and they have to view the world the exact same as, way as you do for harmony and perfection. It's just not a reality. And the way Dave, the d- way Dave broke this down and saying that as a culture we've accepted these lies, I just thought was very poignant and very powerful. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree more, V. I think that the point you're making is so accurate today you know i just saw a headline that there was a couple that was shot in texas because they had voted for biden yeah <laughs> that's exactly what we're talking about right it's yep. like you first love your neighbor so you know to the texas christian who shot his neighbors you know what the heck but yeah. also like fundamentally it's not you know you can claim religion you can claim belief you can claim all these different things but there's no belief that should ever be strong enough to cause you to hurt another human that's not hurting you. Yeah. Right? And I think that's kind of where the crux of things is, is that if at any point you feel that you're more right than somebody else, I think you have to step back and question it. You know, yep. I think we all have moments in life where we feel like, oh, my gosh, like I have the obvious solution here. But anytime you feel that strongly about a perspective, it's usually because you're that deep in your own perspective. You're that far away from understanding how different life is for other people. And I think Chappelle has an interesting um, narrative because he's had such diverse experiences, right? Like he's not only been black in America, but he's made it black in America during a really tough era where a lot of things started to change after he got in there, but he wasn't the beneficiary of that change. So he dealt with the bad side of being black in entertainment in America and now has come back through this resurgence and, you know, really has has this level of wisdom. And I think that the that events that lead to that kind of wisdom typically involve pain. You know, yes. he had to feel the uh, on the other side of that perspective. I'm sure throughout his career, he felt judged and loved and forced to feel and think and operate the same way as everyone around him. But it's the diversity of opinions that makes us stronger. Same as the diversity of a gene pool, right? Like if, yep. you if you don't see things a million different ways, you can easily get blindsided. And that's supposed to be how a democracy runs. It's supposed to be multiple opinions being voiced and then careful consideration amongst them and then a vote. Yes. Yep. And I think, you know, the, the second part he said, when he said you can have convictions and still be compassionate, I think that's the thing more than anything people don't develop is the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand that someone got to that position based on their experiences, based on what they went through in their life, which is completely different than what you went through in your life. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that's where the judgment comes is because people don't have the ability to say, hey, this person's life experience helps dictate and form their viewpoint on life. And because of that, there's always conflict because there's this ego, selfish driven thing, which is my perspective is the only perspective that's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the place you see this loudest in America is politics, right? Um, there just isn't a whole lot of compassion if between Republicans and Democrats anymore, conservative, liberal, whatever you want to call them, it is straight up conflict. They don't get anything done. They don't reach compromise. And that filters filters down. And then we have a media media empire who sows this division through the way that they disseminate culture, right? You have Fox News, MSNBC, they are not objective either neither one of those networks is objective and they feed these narratives of division not of hey we may not agree here but how do we have a a, a useful conversation a useful debate that helps us reach a compromise that allows you to be you and me to be me harmoniously right Right. that should be the goal right but it's not right. <laughs> Somehow the goal seems to be winning all the time in America. Yeah, it is. <laughs> there's, no, there's no mutually 
beneficial outcome that we desire. We just want to win over the other person. Yeah. That could be problematic when your neighbors are the other people. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. family members. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I think also with Dave, you know, he's he's taken flack for some of the things he talks about in his his comedy, right? Like he makes fun of he makes fun of the LGBTQ community. He took some heat for that. Yeah. Uh, but his defense of it is that I am basically making a joke out of something because I do not judge these people. It's not, I don't understand it. There's certain things that I don't understand. Like, and I'll be frank, like I, it's not in my experience to understand gender identity issues. Mm -hmm. Right. But does that mean that I should bash people whose perspective results in them feeling those identity issues, whatever they've, they've, they've gone through to feel unhappy, depressed, and they make that change just because it's not something that I understand or I personally agree with does not mean that I should then go judge that person for their perspective and their life experience that have caused them to feel whatever identity issues that they have. Yeah. You're on the keyword there of judgment. That That's the hard one to prevent yourself from doing is yep. judging others when, when they do something in a certain way. And, you know, I think we talk about this, V, like we have friends of ours that we disagree with at times that we feel like make decisions we don't necessarily align with at times. And to be able to carry love through that is really a test of whether you're actually friends with that person or not. Yep. If you 100%. care, then you're going to keep that love and keep supporting them while they go through what they go through. Even if the person they become is someone you disagree with, you still appreciate them as a human and their role in society. Right. But it's like, yep. it's hard. It's really hard to get there, especially when people do things that, um, work strongly against your belief systems. Yep. 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 And then there's this, this thing in a, this, battle in america right uh supposedly we're, we're the united states of america but it's the divided states of america you have this push to make it a christian nation for example and that is you know and this is historically with the catholic church and christianity is it's like it's fine to believe in christ and to believe in god but their necessity to try to force people to convert um, and align with their process is completely un-American because we have an extremely large Muslim population, an extremely large Jewish population, an extremely large Hindu population, and you are not going to reach, for example, president. You're not going to be even a Jewish white American and win the presidency in America just by virtue of the fact that you're Jewish. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, those things are true, you yeah. know? And the question is why, why is society so hell bent on not just disagreeing with each other, but fighting all the damn time about their disagreements? Dude, it's funny. Cause like, um, there's this common argument about news media, right? Which is like, yeah. News media is ruining this country. Okay. And then the people build Twitter to argue with each other. So <laughs> yeah. is it news media or is it us? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. We, we have problems as a society. You know what I mean? You're right. We can't stop arguing and we can't stop, you know, really just screaming nonsense at each other. But I think it reflects a time in society where, you know, there's unforeseen economic effects of social media. And one of those is that outrage actually converts to revenue yeah that's weird very weird then the other part of it is that we are just now starting to be aware to the level of brainwashing that's been happening in this country through media for yes. a long period of time so in the past it may have felt that more people were on the same page and didn't want to argue but you know personally i don't feel that that's the case personally i feel like more people just had less information. And so it was easier to get everyone on the same page just by presenting information a certain way.
Yeah. Yeah. And I also think they're very early on this idea that your opinion matters mm -hmm. is, is also fed to us. Everybody has, I have the right to my opinion. I have the right to my opinion. And the statement itself is fine. It's the interpretation of what that means to people that is the problem because it's not just I'm welcome to my opinion. It's I'm welcome to my opinion and I'm fucking right. And you're fucking wrong. Right. That's, 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 that's kind of how it's driven. And when you talk about successful people, smart people, people we look to as pillars, not just in terms of success, financial success, but people we respect, the universal truth is they approach life very differently than the rest of society, which is I'm trying to learn and seek knowledge. It's not about me figuring out where I stand on things. It's about me figuring out as many different perspectives from as many different people as possible. And it's one of the greatest cheat codes and hacks for success in life, because the more you're able to put yourself in other people's shoes, the, the better relationships in business you're going to develop because you understand their perspective versus saying, hey, this is who I am. It can work. Obviously, you can you can be extreme and still find success, but you probably are going to deal with a lot more conflict, a lot more uh, tension, a lot more stress in your life. Um, if you approach life about, by I need to develop my own opinions, my opinions matter, my voice matters. Let me tell you something, America. Everybody's voice doesn't fucking matter in the macro level. It matters in the micro level and the people that you impact, your family, the people you care about. Yes, your voice matters there, but your voice doesn't matter in terms of moving policy, moving <laughs> these big things that you sit on Twitter and argue about all fucking day doesn't mean shit. It doesn't accept it. Yeah. I mean, especially because there's so much, you know, even the people that we would we would support or argue against. Right. Like I'm yeah. I thinking of AOC after the Met Gala. Right. Yep. You know, the defender of of the the poor, if you will. Right. Yeah. Why at, the fuck are you at the Met Gala? Yeah. Wearing a dress that says tax the rich. That probably was incredibly expensive. You know, she's, she's gaming the system and, and people people yeah. people hate to when when her her fan club hates to acknowledge this but i was like she's a con like the rest of them why do you guys get fooled by what people say yeah follow what they do but that's exactly it right she her playbook is uh, you know not that dissimilar from a six nine yeah you know what i mean and it's it's that like that's what we don't realize is that the the game plan for life and social media is just stirring up essentially controversy to get attention and then these guys monetize that attention by selling products and anything polarizing half the people that f that are looking your way are going to love it and the other half will hate it so you yeah just to the ones you, that love it and i saw um an interview i don't remember around the time that barack obama released his 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 last book in which he said look i talked to these republican senators that that don't like me or don't like, and they tell me that you guys think they don't like me, but he's like, or, or their opinions are, are crazy, but he's like, the reality in America is politicians find follow polls. They don't have person. They're not in power pushing their personal, uh, personal views or principles. It is these, this is my delegation. This is what they care about. My opinion does not matter, actually. This which, is what I... Which is a better way to lead, by the way. Yeah. Represent your people. That's how it should be. Yep. Yep. And, and it's like... But then they get persecuted because they think... They think, okay, this is what, what, what they believe. And the truth is, their beliefs are completely based on what's going to get them numbers, attention, and results. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not based on principles. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, that's like part of it, right? Like people are gaming it. And, yeah. you know, to your point, like it, if you ascribe like your value set 
or you know any values that somebody says they have to a politician you're part of you know it's like going to Chuck E. cheese and thinking that those are real real yeah. animals, not robots right like you yep. just know that you're looking at a performance sometimes yep yep i think politics it, is that politics is that and even within within politics right like the branch of government that you are supposed supposedly supposed to be the objective voice of reason the supreme court you've even within that got conservative judges more liberal judges no you guys are supposed to interpret the law and give objective opinions and it's been even that's been compromised yeah you know what here's my bold bold view the whole things the whole thing's a performance you know what i mean like yeah. Yes, people die in, in the world, but like all the wars, all the conflict, all this, we're just fucking bored on this planet. Our lives are so long. We don't know what the hell to do. So we just have wars and believe in things and argue about them. But in reality, we don't know what the fuck happens when we die. We don't know anything about this life other than we get born and then there's a period where that stops and we don't know what happens, right? Yeah. And so because we can't handle that, we just argue all of our lives yeah. and that's like it, the whole thing is just it's scripted to me it's like that's that's why i feel like things like the law of attraction work because it's not really about you actually using magic to make shit happen it's just you building a narrative for yourself that when you tell other people they remember that narrative and tell others your narrative and then all of a sudden everyone buys into your narrative and that's what happens yep 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 and and it's just like even the most basic things, right? Like I, I, this subject is another one of these touchy red, blue subjects, which is global warming, right? It's like, do you believe in global warming or not? That's not the fucking issue. The issue is, do we have a responsibility to take care of our environment or do we not? It's not, does global warming exist or not? It doesn't matter. Your opinion on that doesn't matter. The <laughs> truth is that we have a responsibility to take care of the planet that we live in. Yeah. And part of that is that news stations don't want to ask polls that are 9 to 10. They yeah. want to ask things that are closer to 50-50. It's more yep. interesting. It's, it's a lot more interesting. It's a lot <laughs> more interesting. You're right. Like, we do ask the wrong question. <laughs> do you believe global warming is real? I remember when that was a conversation and it, it was that exact point. It's like, why are we even talking about this, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly it's it's uh it's uh an unbelievable um reality right and i just feel like you know to put it put a button on this it's like you have these conversation and what makes these conversation what makes a comedian like dave so respected and appreciated if you read that brief quote you can read it in 15 seconds and you actually take the time to think about it and digest it. If you are an opinionated person or you are someone who digs deep into your principles and beliefs, take some time to think through this quote and think through how your life will change if you stop doing these things. Mm -hmm. These two simple things, you know, and specifically, you know, we've talked in the in, in the macro sense, a societal standpoint. There's so much conflict we have within our interpersonal relationships and it's often looked at as unhealthy. Everybody that I genuinely love, I have the harshest arguments, the biggest disagreements, the most tension with. And I think in society, you know, so long as it's not transitioning to physical violence or anything like that, conflict is healthy uh, within your relationships. And I think we have this this like weird dichotomy, which is on one hand on Twitter and social media, we just all want to fight with each other. But then within our personal life, everything's supposed to be perfect. And it's like if your person you're in a relationship with or your family member never disagrees with you, how are you ever going to have balanced perspective uh, to, to, to actually have empathy, to have compassion? If, if, if no one's giving you perspective outside of your own. Powerful, man. Powerful. And what a button. Episode 99, show some compassion to the people around you, especially the people that you don't know that disagree with you online. Be nice to them. 100%. 100%. Next week is episode 100. 
B, yeah. we might bring something special for that. Yeah, we're going to have to. We're going to have to. Well, as always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in, supporting the podcast. Remember to always be you. You as fly and stay moving toward your goals and dreams. Pilot Boys out. Pilot Boys, we get on up. We don't fly, boys, we get up. Pilot Boys, we get